Well, good morning. How are we doing today? My name is Jen Ramlett. If you do not know me, I am the director of missions here at Influence Church. And um, I am so honored and excited and filled with so much emotion being here today. Um, in June, my husband and I welcomed our second baby girl, Ava Lee. And um, we took some time to be as a family. And then since I've come back, um, I've been out back running our food distribution center. So I've actually, yes, yes, y'all. So I have not been in the house in like six months. And um, I'm so overwhelmed with emotion, just being in the presence of God. And we, when we were singing Wild Heart, I felt so strongly that God wanted me to say, that there might be people in this room and there might be people watching online that have been running and have been searching and have been questioning and have been just very confused and lost. And I want you to know whether today you decide to run into Jesus's arms or it takes a week or a month or a year, he will never stop running after you. He will never stop until you come back to him. And let me tell you, when you come back, there is no condemnation. There is no judgment. It is pure love, a love like you have never felt or experienced before. And I just felt so overwhelmingly strong to say this to you today. So let's jump into the message. I am excited uh, to be here. I wanna pray. I have a lot to say. If you've ever heard me speak, I, I like to talk a lot. Um, so I will try to make sure that I get you out before 2 p.m. Um, but I am very excited to be with you. So let's just pray and we will jump into the word. God, you are so good. And I thank you for your presence. I thank you for allowing us to come and come together and worship it is such um, an interesting time to think that we would ever take this for granted. And so I wanna say thank you, Jesus. I wanna thank you that we can come here as a family and boldly declare that you are king and praise you and worship you and learn about you and experience you in ways that we have never had before. I wanna pray for this time that we have open hearts and we have open ears to hear you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, have any of you ever been on a road trip that you just could not wait to get home? Like you were like super over it. Anybody? No, everybody flies here? Okay. Um, so people who can't afford to fly, um, they do something called a road trip. And, um, and what that entails is you get in your car and you drive somewhere. And so my husband and I, uh, we love to travel. We actually do fly quite a bit. Um, but we decided to make the trek uh, when Gracie Bell, my first daughter, was about six months old to St. Louis. We were living in uh, Denver at the time, and we just wanted to go spend some time with my grandma. My grandma was my very best friend. She... Um, I'm not kidding, probably saved tens of thousands of people by herself. She was a true role model and I, I adored her. And so she called me and she said, Jen, will you come out to St. Louis because I'm about to die? Now, uh, what you need to know about my grandma is we had this really funny slash morbid um, thing that we did when my grandfather died, I was 13. And I looked at her and I said, Grandma, you're not allowed to die till I get married or have kids. And then I didn't realize that someday I would get married and have kids. And so she was like, all right, you have a kid. It's time for me to die. Come out here. And, uh, 
it sounds really morbid, but it was our joke and it like, she was serious. Like she could not wait to be with Jesus. Like she was just so ready. Like I would say at age 50, she wanted to go. Like she literally was done with this world. And so um, my husband and I, we loaded up Gracie Bell. We took the 14 hour drive um, to St. Louis. We had a very sweet and special time with her. Um, a time I will never forget. Um, but the Sunday before we were going to leave, we we're gonna leave Monday morning, my grandma entered into the hospital. And she never left. She passed away about a week later. And so on the drive home, it was so emotional for me um, because it was the last time I was gonna see her. And she really held on to her promise, didn't she? Like she was like, I met the baby, I'm out. And, um, and so the whole drive home, I was just in a very somber space. And we were about halfway through Kansas and Gracie Bell was sleeping in the back, my husband's driving, and I was listening to Corey Ashbury, Rec uh, Reckless Love, and I'm just like bawling and I'm like a very emotional being. And my husband is not, and so he's just driving, like let her do her thing. And I'm like, Jesus, I miss my grandma. And like so emotional. And he's just like, and all of a sudden I hear, holy crap. And like, you know when you're like in the moment and you're like with Jesus, and someone rudely interrupts you. And um, I look at him and I was like, babe. And he was like, look at that tornado. <laughs> and let me tell you, I, when I was a kid, I was super into the weather. I actually still am into the weather. I watch it three times a day, even though out here it's like, it's hot, boring. <laughs> but, um, but I love the weather. And so, and then remember, anybody remember Twister, the 1996 movie? So I was like, I wanted to be a storm chaser. I was super into it. And so my husband did not know this about me. We've been together 10 years. He did not know I had this deep desire. And so I'm like quoting Twister. I'm like, is this an F5? What's an F5? It's the finger of God. And like, he's like, does not get it. He's like, you're weird. Stay in your lane. And, um, and then I realized we have a baby in the back, so I probably shouldn't like want to be a storm chaser today. And, um, and it was probably, I don't know, you guys know Kansas, it's so flat. It could have been five miles, 10 miles away. Regardless, it felt pretty close. And so I was like, maybe we should just like find a place to like pull over. Well, there was nothing um, except two things. One, there was a uh, Motel 6, so we pulled over and I ran and I'm like, hey, do you guys have any rooms? Like, I was just, I didn't know. Like, listen, I never lived in a place with tornadoes. I don't know how this works. I just figured, let's get a hotel room. We'll get some Doritos, watch some TV. Like, we'll be fine. And so, um, and so she's like, I'm so sorry. This biker group just came and got all the rooms. She's like, but like five miles down the road, there is, um, there is a, uh, what was it, Best Western. I'm like, cool. So I get in and I'm still not freaking out, right? Until the wind picks up. And then the rain picks up. And then we're driving and I see a semi on its side. And then we drive a little further and I see two more semis on its side. And then we're getting alerts. Get away from windows and doors. And I look at my husband, I'm like, babe, we're in an SUV. This whole thing is windows and doors. Like, what do we do? Like, I don't know. And he was like, calm down. My husband's from Oklahoma, okay? He went to school in Arkansas. Like, this is nothing new. But for me, okay, a Colorado girl who lived in Cali in New Jersey, we don't know what tornadoes are, right? So I'm freaking out. And I'm like, I don't care. Let's just get in. Let's just go to the hotel. Let's pray they have a room. And we ran in and the gal's like, you know, hon, like, we're cleaning them, but it's okay. Just hang out in the lobby. And I'm thinking if she's not freaking out, then like she lives here. So we'll just hang out, okay? So we're sitting there. We're sitting on the couch. My husband's like, I'm going to go to the bathroom. Okay, cool. And then my worst nightmare comes in. It's a woman who clearly wears the pants. Her husband, their two children, her best friend, and their two children, seven of them. 
And it was like, I mean, I just felt negativity all over me. And they rush in. The wind is, is crazy. And she's like, the wind took our luggage. We need a room. And she's like going off on this front desk gal. And the gal's like, I'm so sorry, we don't have rooms available. And she's like, you better get one. We're all gonna die. And I, now I'm kind of scared. And like the only reason I was scared was because her and her friend had these like walkie-talkie things that sounded like the National Weather Service. And I was like, do you work for the weather? Like what? Are you, like, what's happening? So, like, it sounded, it sounded so official that I thought maybe I should listen to her. So, 10 minutes in, she's grabbing her whole family, and she's bringing them to the um, wheelchair-accessible bathroom. Everybody know the really big bathroom? And then she decides it's, it's her duty to come out and get me. So, she grabs me by the arm, a holding grace belt, and she pulls me into the bathroom, and she puts me on the toilet. Now, I don't, I'm not going to the bathroom. She just thinks, I guess I need a seat. So, I'm sitting here on the toilet with eight other people in the bathroom. Um, um, while this woman tells me that we're all gonna die. And then she decides, hey, I haven't gone too far. So she goes and gets the 75-year-old people that are in the outdoor, indoor hot tub to come on in. Yeah, you're wet, come on in, join us, please, while I sit on the pot. It was so uncomfortable. And I'm crying because I can't get a hold of Brandon. I'm texting him, and I know what he was doing, y'all. I know you men. You're playing Tetris, and you don't respond. You're not going to the bathroom. You're playing games on your phone, and you're pretending like you're doing something. And so he's not responding, and I'm in this room, and she's like, we're all gonna die, and she's telling her kids, get on the floor. You're gonna die if you don't get on the floor. And I'm like, oh, Jesus, don't take me out this way, please. Not with these people, not with these people. And... Um, about 10 minutes go by, which felt like eternity. And the front desk gal comes and she knocks on the door and she's like, guys, it's gone. You can come out. And it felt like Glinda the Good Witch, you know, like, come out, come out. Like, it was so bizarre. And I'd love to tell you that the story ended there as my husband walked towards me and I was like, no, no, you don't even know what I just dealt with. Don't come smiling. Hey, babe, is our room ready? Um, but that night we actually slept in the bathtub because another tornado came. And as we were driving home, I looked at my husband lovingly and said, never again. I am never coming to Kansas again, ever. Even if the Broncos, who I am a diehard Bronco fan, bad year, I know. Even if the Broncos are playing in the Super Bowl in Kansas City and we get free box seats, I am never coming here again. I am done with Kansas. And I was thinking about this the other day, about this road trip. And I was thinking about how excited we were in the beginning and how quickly that changed. And I think about sometimes in life, we think that something sounds fun or exciting or we rally behind something because we really want to do it not knowing what it's gonna cost us. And today I wanna talk to you about what it means to follow Christ at any cost to follow Christ at any cost. And you know, we're gonna jump in the word, but before we do, it's so important when we read the word of God to not just read it, because it's not just a book. We have to read it and we have to say, what does this text mean? And how is this meaning relevant to me? Because if we don't, it becomes a book club. And the moment you say, this is relevant, this is not just a story, this is relevant to me, let me impart this word into my life, then the Bible is truly more alive to us because we can see our circumstances in it instead of just saying this happened 2,000 plus years ago. And so we're gonna open up to Matthew 8. So if you have your Bibles or your phones, flip over to Matthew 8, and I'm gonna give you a little background on this. 
And so Jesus and his disciples were just ministering. Jesus had a very intense day. I don't know if any of you have ever been on a missions trip, but when you're on a mission trip and you're pouring into people, um, and I've been on a lot of medical missions trips, um, you're just exhausted at the end of the day. It's a great exhaustion, but you're exhausted. And so I can just see Jesus here. He's exhausted because he spent the whole day healing people. People who were blind, he was taking that from him. People who were sick, he was taking that from him. It says people who had demonic spirits in them, he was taking that and putting it on, upon himself. And so you know he was exhausted, and so he was about to get on the boat to go over to the Sea of Galilee, and this is where we're gonna pick up in Matthew 8, 19. It says, there was a certain scribe who was a Pharisee who came to him and said, teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. Now, when you read this, your, your initial thought might be like, what, Lord? Like, where are you going? And I can just see this guy. I can see this guy. Like, he just saw all of these miracles. Like, people were literally, like, demon-possessed, and Jesus is taking it from him, and he's putting it on him. And I'm sure he's just like, Lord, I will go anywhere. Like, this is amazing. This is crazy. Like, I'll follow you. And I would be the same way. I would be pumped if people who are bleeding for years all of a sudden stop bleeding and if people who are blind their whole life all of a sudden can see, like I would be like, Jesus, I will be your director of fundraising. I will fund this whole ministry. I will bring people to the river. I will save them a front row rock. I would be like in it. But Jesus is so quick to jump in. And he says, listen, before you jump all in, know what following me entails. You see, it's not a honeymoon. It's not always easy. It takes sacrifice. And Jesus is ripping away the romanticism of what it means to follow him. He was trying to help this follower understand that before he jumped all in, he needed to know that carrying out the Father's will took sacrifice. And I love Jesus. I love how he uses illustrations because it's, it's universal, right? We all know foxes and we all know birds. Like he knew they were gonna be around this whole time, right? So he looks at them and he says, foxes have holes. And in your mind, you're thinking, what does this mean? What does this mean, Jesus? Well, the question that we have to ask ourselves is are we willing to be displaced? Are we willing to be displaced? Because if you listen to foxes have holes, you don't really get it. You're like, yeah, so? But if you say, what does that mean? Where, when do foxes go to holes? They go to holes when they're scared. They go to holes when they're being hunted. They go to holes when they are fearful. They go to holes when they feel vulnerable. It's somewhere that is safe and that is warm and that is theirs. And birds of the nest, why do birds have nests? It's not just to sleep in, it is their safety and their comfort. So even when they're not in it, they're secured by it because it's somewhere they can go to be protected. And you see, this is more than just a physical comfort. This is a mental comfort knowing that if things get crazy, if things get like out of whack, I can go to my hole and I can fly to my nest. But Jesus is saying in here, if you follow me, not only will you not have a home, when you are departing, you will not have the comfort of knowing 
where you fit. You know, my three-year-old Gracie Bell, um, she is still in her crib. And I get a lot of opinions about why she should not be in a crib. She's too old. Um, And I ask her, I'm like, baby, you want a big girl bed? She's like, no, I love my cribby. And I'm like, cool. I don't care. I feel like kids are growing up too fast these days. And quite frankly, if she wants to be in a crib, go ahead. If her husband and her want to live with us, go ahead. I don't care. Like, stay with mama forever. And, um, but my husband, who is the kindest human being ever and rarely ever puts his foot down, finally put his foot down and said, we're either getting rid of the passies or the crib, you choose. And because the passy just makes it look like she's still a baby, I chose the crib. And so, um, and so I said, fine, when she turns three, we can get the big girl bed. And so a couple days after she turned three, we both had different ways of wanting to do this. My husband just started walking in with the wrench and was like, we're done. And I was like, Gracie, you getting a big girl bag. You getting a big girl bag. Whoop, whoop, you big girl. You bi-. And like just trying to make it exciting and fun for her. And because my daughter is me, she goes, I don't want a big girl bed. I'm never getting a big girl bed. I want my crib. I'm never growing up, mom. I'm like, that's fine with mommy. And, uh, and she's like, I want my cribby. And she's literally, her little 40-pound body is grabbing the crib and trying to push it back up onto as my husband is pulling it off. And she's like, oh, no, daddy, don't do this from me. Don't take this from me. And I'm crying. And my husband's going to be like, get it together. And I'm like, but She's out with a big girl bed. And, uh, but I was thinking about this because the truth is, is that this crib was Gracie Bell's comfort. And it was her safety. And it's when she would say, mommy, there's lions in my room. She would say, put me in my crib because she felt safe there. Somehow lions can't get in the crib. (laughs) But I knew, I knew deep in my heart in order for her to mature and in order for her to grow and take the next step As a child, growing into an eventual adult, we had to do something that was hard and uncomfortable and scary because it's what she needed to go to the next level maturity-wise. And here Jesus is saying is when you decide to take this step in your faith where you say, I will follow Christ at any cost, You are proclaiming and you are declaring that the purpose that God has for your life and following him in that purpose is worth more than any home you know. And it's not just your physical home. It might be your community. It might be your family. It might be your state. We can't get so tied down to these worldly homes when God has something so much bigger for us when we are called And you know what I love about this this story? Matthew doesn't say it, and and you can find the same um, story in Luke. Neither of us tell, uh, neither of them tell us how the man responds. And I love that because it forces us to apply Jesus' words to our own heart and say, Am I following Christ completely or casually? And, you know, many people would say, Jen, no doubt, like, I am following Christ completely. Like, there's not a shadow of a doubt. But the difference in knowing you're following Christ completely and thinking you're following Christ completely is found in your commitment. And so many times we look at things in our life and we say we're committed. How many times since I've had this child have I told my husband I'm starting a diet? And guess how many times I've done it? You know why? 
because I'm not really committed. I like the idea of it. I'm interested in it. I think it'd look great if I maybe lost the baby weight someday, but I'm not truly committed. And if you're interested in something, you only do it when circumstances permit, when it's easy, when you have time, when it's convenient, when you have nothing better to do. But when you are committed, you do something with no excuses, no matter the cost, day in and day out throughout the course of the commitment. And this is why so many people in this world struggle, because they claim they're committed and they're not. They claim, I'm committed to lose weight. I'm committed to be a family person. I'm committed to put my family first. I'm committed to this. I'm committed to that. But they're not. They're not committed. Because commitment is the ability to stick with something long after the initial excitement is gone. And you know, Jesus knew that we would be like this. He knew we would jump in just as quick as we jumped out. And so we have to ask ourselves the question, how important is following Christ? Would you drop everything for it? Would you give up everything if you had to? Would you give up the comfort of your home? You know, my husband and I did this about 15 months ago. We moved from Denver, a place that I committed I would die in because I love it, because God called us here. And I still, when I talk about car, I still say that's home. I say, oh, I can't wait to go home for Christmas. But this is not my home, and that is not my home. My home is wherever God calls me. And that's the truth. And we get so tied to this place called home, and our home is up here. And then we miss out on what's going on here because we're so tied to this little idea of a home. And, you know, it's easy to follow Christ when you see miracles happening, isn't it? Like, that's, that's what Jesus said. He's like, this guy's on this high because he saw Jesus doing all these miracles. And he's like, it's easy to follow me when you see me do this. It's easy to follow me when you have a job and your bills are paid. And it's easy to follow me when your kids are acting right and your marriage is good and you're healthy. But what happens when your hours are cut or you lose your job or we shut down again? and you can't get paid, and now you can't pay your bills. What happens when the tension rises so much from being stuck in home that you don't know if your marriage is gonna make it anymore? And what happens when your kids start going crazy, hanging with the wrong crew, or the doctor calls and says, I'm really sorry, but um, this illness, it's untreatable. Then, will you live willingly and committedly and passionately follow Christ then. What I believe Jesus is conveying in this small illustration that is really big is if you choose to follow him, be prepared to be committedly displaced. Because all throughout Jesus's ministry, he was always moving. He didn't stay in one place too long. His purpose was to come to model to us how to live, to die for our sins and resurrect so we knew he was the Messiah and to give us the opportunity to be saved and have eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Savior. That was his purpose. And we look at the miracles performed and we say, wow, that was so amazing that he did that. And then we look at his death and we look at his resurrection and, and, and we're so humbled that he would do that for us, aren't we? We're so humbled that he would come 
and he would die for us so we could spend eternity in heaven, but we miss something so big. We miss the fact that he is our role model. And we look to Instagram influencers and, and celebrities and politicians and friends and family, and we're so envious of them. We wanna be like them and we want what they have and we're not looking at the real role model and we're missing the point. And in today's age, we cannot miss the point. There's so much cloudiness right now over what the truth is. And if we don't know the truth, we ourselves will get cloudy. We have got to know the truth. And so you say, Jen, I want Jesus to be my role model, but what does that look like? Well, Jesus lived a life full of love and kindness and humility. He was patient, yet he spoke up. He was bold, yet he was tender. He honored God's law and he loved his enemies. He was a servant and he was a leader. He prayed, he believed, he knew the word of God. He took care of the poor and the orphans and the widows. And the main word we look at is love from Jesus. And if you really wanna follow Christ, if you really wanna be like him, you cannot settle for a lukewarm life. You can't. You have to go where you're called and sometimes you have to do things that are unpopular. You have to speak the truth. You have to be dedicated and devoted to God. You have to do the uncomfortable. You have to be willing to help those who need help and speak up when people feel silenced. Study and know the word of God so when the time comes, and the time is coming if it's not already here, where your belief and your worldview is being challenged, you can stand up and say, this is the truth. I will speak the truth. I will not be silent. This is what God called me to do. This is how he called me to live because you will be challenged and you're gonna have to be able to fight. And many people think this verse is Jesus saying, go sell your home and live on the street. I've heard a lot of preachers talk about the homeless Jesus. And it's true. He didn't have a home. I researched it. But what Jesus is saying simply is that true followers, they don't have an emergency exit. Boxes have holes. It's where they go when they get scared. And birds, they have a nest. It's where they fly when they need to hide out. But Jesus' followers do not run when things get scary. And Jesus' followers do not hide when things get uncomfortable. We stay. We stand. We're bold. We serve. We give. We love. That is who we are. And we have to name it and claim it. We have to get in the word and know who we are so then we can tell others who we are and who Jesus is living through us. And if we don't get in the word of God, we don't know how to fight against it. We don't know how to tell people about Jesus. We don't know how to do life. And today I want each and every one of you to leave here or leave your living room or wherever you're watching and make this bold declaration. I'm not gonna be someone that hides out in a hole. And I'm not gonna be someone that flies to a nest when things get uncomfortable. I will be a man or a woman who stands firm, who goes where I am called, who loves and serves everyone. I will love Jesus so strongly that people will know that Jesus is living through me. And you know, many people say, Jen, like, I want to live like Jesus, but I don't know enough about it. Well, get in the word, look it up or Google it. Give me scriptures on how to live like Christ. There's like thousands of them. 
and then begin to write them down. And then every day begin to ask the Lord, Lord, how can I be a little kinder? How can I be a little more patient? How can I, how can I speak boldly without being offensive that people are interested in Christ because I'm too bold? We need to know what he's called us to do. But the clearest answer comes to, in Jesus' description of the final judgment on how we are to live. Um, the Son of Man separates, in this verse, true followers from false ones. It says in Matthew 25, then the king will say to those on his right, come, you are blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. And the king's statement surprised the righteous because they don't remember ever seeing him in need or helping him. So they asked him, when did we do these things? And the king will answer to them, truly I say to you, as you did it for one of the least of my brothers, you did it for me. And so when you look at someone who is in need, who's struggling, who's having a hard time, who is broken, is questioning, see Jesus and respond to them as you would Jesus. Give to them, love them, feed them, clothe them as you would Jesus. Jesus. 